Welcome to Span Reads, not your typical rereads podcast, a 17th Shard series where we reread Brendan Sanderson's works and are giant nerds about it. Unlike the traditional reread style, we won't be going through each book chapter by chapter, but instead looking at different themes within the series. We are going to do three episodes, reactions and retrospectives, character relationships, and then a third episode on lore. Similar to our Skyward Span Reads, we will be doing full spoilers during these episodes. As such, this is a warning to our viewers and listeners that there will be full spoilers for all Skyward novels, excluding Defiant, and the Skyward Flight novellas from this point forward. Today we'll be talking about Starsight, the second book in the Skyward series. Joining me is Ian. Hey, I'm your writer. Jesse. Hello, I'm Lady Lameness. Eric. Hey, I'm Kaus. And I'm Mish, or First Ramble Rose. If you want a recap of this book, go ahead and click on the link to go to Jesse's recap. So, first episode, retros- recap and retrospectives. Who wants to start us off? So, we've had this recording scheduled since recording the last one, which was over a month ago. And when did I start rereading this book? yesterday <laughs> i also re- started the reread yesterday so hell yeah i did the exact same thing hey it'll be super fresh on your minds that's right <laughs> yeah it, it was one of those things where it's like i knew once i got into the book i'd enjoy it i just could not work up the motivation to start reading it i found that for me it was actually the first book grabbed me and just yanked me through it for the reread. Mm-hmm. And this one, I was a little bit less like just pulled along. I was like, okay, yep. Nope. This is the book. And <laughs> I remember this and it's good, but it wasn't like as absolutely captivating as it was for the first one. Yeah. I'm not going to lie. I suffered through this book <laughs> because I had to. <laughs> yeah. At the end, I had it on two and a half times speed listening so that I could just finish it. See, I just listened to all of my books at two and a half times speed because... I'm only you- at like two times speed, otherwise it's a little bit too fast for me to process. But mm-hmm. I don't know, I have read this book quite a few times before, which does help. But this time was just, I don't know, I didn't really want to read it, but here we are. <laughs> Like, I remember the first time reading this, it took me a while. Like, I liked the end. I've always liked, mm-hmm. like, like the last half of the book. The first half of the book has always been somewhat rough. Like, I, mm-hmm. the first time reading it, I remember, like, getting to Starsight and then realizing, like, oh, wait, this is what the book is. Yeah. Okay. Like, the part on Defiant is super fascinating, and it's really good, and then you get to Star Sight, and you're like, what? It's like whiplash. Yeah, it, this, like this it's, gave me whiplash. It's kind of like the opposite for me. It's like, on, like, th- like the opening sequence on Detritus, I'm like, okay, like, what's the point? Mm-hmm. Like, we don't have, like, the point of the book until we get to Star Sight. It's like, True. okay, like, it's infiltration... Okay. Whereas before, it's just like Spencer doesn't know what she should be doing. That's fair. Which is unsatisfying, like at the start of a book. Yeah, she's just kind of like plodding along, not with all that much purpose at the start. Mm -hmm. So I can, I can definitely understand that. I definitely found like going to Starsight was very much a left turn I was not expecting. 
But I actually found this started earlier than that for me. It was when um, Cobb takes Spencer through and was like, this is actually a spy book. We're going to talk about spy school now. Like before Alanic even crashes, I'm like, this is not what I was expecting. This is not what I thought we were being set up for. Okay, let's see where this goes. And then, of course, we do the whole Starsight thing, which is actually a spy book, but isn't even the spy book that was being described. Right? Yeah. So it is just like, I felt like I was being like bashed back and forward with what the book was meant to be. So it took me till about part three, where they're doing all the Delver Maze stuff and the, the, the flight stuff before I was like, okay, I'm kind of settled into what this book actually is now. For me, the very opening of like, wow, Spencer's doing space combat and Brandon's recapping. I'm like, okay, cool. Not interesting. Once we get to the Delver totally destroying Detritus, I'm like, I'm in. Like, I'm super in. And so the Delver stuff pulled me through the entire book and I was totally fascinated so yeah when we go to star sight it's like yeah give me lore i want i want lore it's like oh yeah kuna just telling me the lore of these things about the delvers it's like yeah yes i do want this and but there 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 is whiplash but it that part really worked for me and uh if if you've listened to our star sight reactions which is quite some time ago but that was a contentious shard cast there i said then that i loved 95 percent of this book and then it face planted at the end uh and i dislike that last five percent less now it's you tend to dislike things a little bit less on your second time through or you know after a little bit of time because you're you were the same way with zane that okay that's that's true, but uh, I'm look. I'm still ready to go for a Zane rant and a, and a <laughs> last five percent of this book rant. I'm I'm, I'm ready. I'm always ready. Uh, so I do wonder, Eric, whether it's because you've now read more of the series and like you've read Cytonic in particular, whether that's having an effect on it, your reread of Starside. I, I think this this book ends on such a cliffhanger that needing to wait two years for Cytonic and stuff is kind of brutal. <laughs> Obviously, Brandon's got to write Stormlight. I get it. That's fine. <laughs> like, it, it totally makes sense. That's the priority. But it, it's not my my favorite. And also, I just think the Delver should have killed more people on Star Sight. I, I will, I will yeah. stand by that. They said the planetary shields only last a few minutes. And Moriamur's just around in the draft pod how long does it take to get to the ship to get out to the delver to get to the maze that feels like it takes more than like three minutes <laughs> what that's, that's like, fair. like then yeah. the shield should be down and like thousands to millions should be dead and like like the delver destroyed detritus really quick in there and it just feels like oh yeah it's, it's fine it's fine it's totally fine and so i still maintain but that is dumb, and that's mostly because Chet's a character, and is that Delver in the next book? I think that's 100% the reason why Brandon didn't want to do that. Uh, yeah. <laughs> it's like, I also remember, like, 
part of your issue way back when was that like the impression you got from reading the book was that now Delvers were not going to be an issue anymore. Like, oh, everything's fixed and being unsatisfied th- there. Whereas That's I was true. always That's on the true. side of like, no, like this one Delver has fixed. Like, and it's like actually reading it back, the individualization of chat this one delver like is very clear in this book because it's like, true it starts true. with like one delver is paying attention to you to her that's like, true that's, that's valid so i think that that was intended as foreshadowing as like delvers are not a monolith which doesn't yeah. necessarily come across as well as brandon may have wanted it to and like there, there's an aspect of like there's like a connection between spence and the delver mm-hmm. which like i think helps reading the later yeah, books with, with that delver in specific yeah 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 which somehow. is really interesting going into defiant i was saying to eric last night um also that because this is a ya series like you can't have your characters be too much in the completely morally gray category where mm. people can legitimately not decide whether they're a good person because like you want mm your younger audience to root for them and like them as a character and think they are the good guy. And because Chet needed to be the good guy in Cytonic, he couldn't be shown to have done too much destruction in Starside, I think. Otherwise, Brandon had to dig him out, himself out of the hole of, this is a character that has killed millions, but I want you to like him and he's actually a good person. And I just don't think that's something that happens in YA. Whereas if this was an adult series, I think it would be a little bit more different as well. Brandon doesn't do a lot of the character that you question if you like them and they're morally ambiguous. I mean, Dalinar is the closest you get. And even then, you... I disagree with that. I think he's getting there. (laughs) Fair. Not to get too much of the yeah, yeah, yeah. but I think there's some characters that are definitely getting there. I think I'm still just disappointed with the Delvers are set up to be so badass in chapter four, destroying like these very advanced humans like instantly. The superiority less advanced, just straight up. Right. Mm. And the Delver doesn't do anything, really. And it's still really easy to get into the center of that Delver. Like, I thought there would be, like, more embers. And it's just like, yeah, we're here. We're in the center. We're done. The book's over. And it's like, Mm -hmm. oh, okay. I I, I actually didn't mind that so much because I thought that the Mariuma twist was, like, pretty clever. I I do like that. I do like that. Because we had spent so much time exploring the Delver mazes previously, I think it just would have dragged if Brandon had gone into more detail of, okay, they have to do all of these different rooms before they get to the center. It's like, okay, no, we have to kind of like speed this up because we've done this like three times already. I thought just the embers were going to attack them that entire way as well. And like that Mm. just didn't happen, right? Yeah. They're just not there. I think the embers are just not as much a threat to a pilot of Spence's skill. Yeah. Sure. Yeah. That's like she very easily can evade them. So it's like just having like, oh yeah, like there's this ember. She dodged it. There's another ember. Like she dodged it again. 
Maybe sure. like, there's sure. ways to do that interestingly, but it could have been a distraction from what Brandon was trying to do. The Delver was not as cool as promised in earlier in the book compared with the ending. I do agree that Spensa solving the problem with this Delver is is okay now. It's okay. I don't just absolutely despise it uh, before, but uh, the Delver was still not as cool. I just wasn't. Well, Sorry. And- one thing that drives me a little bit crazy that hopefully Defiant will address is the whole Spencer sees herself in the vision. And then even throughout the entire, like through this entire book, it's never even really addressed again. It's just she sees herself in the vision of the Delver destroying Defiant and then, or Detritus. And then, you know, she mentions it a couple of times, but you never really get an explanation for it. And that's the type of dangling that i don't know i wonder if that's something that is more there for people to just interpret however they wish to interpret it because like i I think that's like tying into grand grand story about like the shadow who like swapped places with the Mm -hmm. guy like showing like the connection between um spensa and the del the delvers yeah because like she does like continue to see the Delvers like as a version of her like right up until the end yeah absolutely that I don't know if it needs to be dug into as anything more than that that's fair yeah that was something that I like having now read Cytonic I don't know how I feel about a lot of that because like we get a lot of Spencer having the the feelings of like how everything around her are insects in the same way that Delvers think about yep. about that and like I I did the audiobook and like that really stood out in the audiobook mm-hmm. because the way it was emphasized by the narrator really made me like pay attention to the number of times that it came up and then in Cytonic it just felt like it wasn't as relevant anymore because of the whole um ai pathway that uh they went down instead because definitely like in skyward the eyes are set up as this like eldritch unknowable threat yeah in starsight like we start getting it and it's like there are these big monsters that are like on such a different level than us and then in cytonic oh they're just anti-social ai that like i i agree that like it, there there is a bit of a tone mismatch there or it's a like a little weird like, yeah. yeah i liked how it turned out in cytonic and i thought like mm-hmm. in that book it like makes sense but reading this book i'm like what <laughs> really okay sure brandon <laughs> yeah that's totally what they are okay sure yeah i i think overall skyward the the cytoverse series like does suffer from brandon writing this one book at a time every two years if he had done like an era mistborn era one written all of them back to back a lot of the tone because like there's the tone mismatch between skyward and the rest of the books Mm. which is necessary because like there's just a not such a huge knowledge gap in that first book but like it is weird yeah there was another thing that um kind of jumped out to me in this book that 
definitely looking back now that I have more knowledge, kind of made me start questioning a little bit more why this was the case. They constantly go in in this book, or maybe not constantly, but it's brought up several times that AIs are dangerous, like you can't have AIs, so you attract the Delvers. And I kind of got the sense from Cytonic, the whole point of that was just tied into the fact that Delvers were originally AIs. And I don't know if the superiority knew that necessarily, but somehow, even if that knowledge was lost, it was filtered down that AIs are dangerous for some reason because they're related to Delvers. But I just don't really know how they got that knowledge. And I don't really know why that is the case and why they continue down that path. And I, 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 it, it just didn't match up as well as I think it might have originally looked like it did. Like, I want to say it's like Delvers do attack AIs. Yeah. Because like they hate AIs because like because they're like programmed to like stop other AIs from becoming like them because that would be mm -hmm. a clue that like that they used to be AIs, which is something they don't want to remember. Yeah, like not they which don't is like very that, convoluted. Yeah. 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 Like there isn't a simple explanation to mm -hmm. it, which which just bothers me a little bit. There's a lot of things that it's like, I mean, it kind of makes sense, but like the questions are not addressed. Like the slugs, we're going to talk about that. because uh, oh, yes. So that'll probably be in the third episode. I remember when reading Cytonic that I felt there was a lack of tension compared with especially Skyward. Mm -hmm. And I think... In the ending, I did feel tension. Like when that Delver's summoned, it's like, oh, things are going to be bad and then it's fine. But, you know, like it, it seems like it's going to be bad. Right. And I think the only other time you really feel tension is in that first space battle when Spencer's like getting her Starsight crew together mm -hmm. uh, just because like trying to save everyone. Like I felt more tension there. But like in the Delver maze, it's more like spooky. Right. Mm. It's like yeah. definitely a different vibe. Whereas mm. I, I, I love the line where Spencer's like, I can't believe they're using live fire. And Mbot's like, I'm beginning to think the superiority are not very nice. <laughs> like, yeah, <it's, laughs> it sure yeah. seems like that for sure. Mbot, uh, very funny in this book. And I, yes. and I was destroyed when Mbot was destroyed. Like that, that part, that was brutal. Yeah. When you first think that you've lost Mbot before the yeah. M drone comes out and you're like, but no, Mbot. Yeah. And I wish that mattered more in Cytonic, but you know, whatever, that's fine. <laughs> I will say that I I still dislike the way that Brandon plays with people's emotions in this series, particularly with Mbot, because he does it twice. <laughs> where he basically destroys Embot and makes it seem like Embot's gone. And then it's like, oh no, almost immediately. Oh no, Embot's fine. Don't worry, guys. He's still there. He's still there, guys. And I don't like playing with people's emotions like that with like, it, it's all, it's pretty, I call it a fake out death, like whether other people agree that these are fake out deaths or not, each their own. But like the, the whole like, oh, let's give you a really strong, powerful, uh, like worried emotion and, and like, that could almost like go down the grief for a character and then immediately reverse it. Like it, I don't like tugging on people's heartstrings like that. I, I think it's kind of a cheap trick to use in a book. 
And I know that Brandon's really good at writing emotional scenes with characters. So I think he could have just done a bit better with it. I prefer the immediately, oh, no, it's okay to the, you know, later down the line, you find out, uh, no, never mind. Hesho's actually back in the yeah, next I, book, guys. I will say that I also don't like that very much. <laughs> and the yeah, whole thing with Hesho uh, <laughs> bothered me to no end. Yeah, like I think part of the issue is like he's not signposting it at all. As far as it's written, these characters are explicitly dead only for it to be undone. Yeah. Whereas like if there was like some ambiguity of like, are they dead? Like, what happened here? Like, it, like, make it more of a mystery of, like, are they still alive? Are they dead? We don't know. Would make them coming back, like, more palatable? Yeah. Yeah. It's so funny because I don't mind the, the M-Bot fake-out death in this book at all. And actually, I don't mind it in Cytonic either, but I, I think this one is done better. Uh, because, yeah. like, at least... I do- this one is done better. They, they talk about copying him a lot and like with yeah. the drone and stuff. And so I, I think that makes a lot of sense. And like you still to me, I still have the emotional impact that the ship is gone. And like that's such mm-hmm. an important part of mm-hmm. Mbot's character. That, like it's not pointless until immediately in the next book when he's like, oh, oh yeah, I think faster now. I'm good. So, yeah, I mean, that's at the end of this book. Like as they're approaching the portal, he starts thinking faster. I guess that's true. But he he just gets over his anger of Spencer and that like deep betrayal, like super like, quick. Immediately. immediately uh, which I don't like. Yeah. And that was such a good like character conflict that was set up as well. Yeah. Like the, the moment mm-hmm. where and but finally comes back to Spencer and she's about to jump back to detritus and he's like what's going on I've been trying to do stuff to help and she's like I'm sorry I have to leave wow that was that the was emotional at that. yeah yeah it, it's funny how these first two books mbot's big uh character conclusion is uh i wrote i rewrote my programming they just do that twice <laughs> so that, that's kind of funny but it, it yeah. actually works it's just a funny realization that it's like oh brandon literally just did the exact same thing twice in two books uh but I do think it's also sort of meant to be foreshadowing the Delvers, right? Like the fact that they were able to rewrite their programming to hide their grief from Jason's yeah, death. Sure. Well, their grief of the single AI and then turning it to sure, the Delvers. Sure, sure. I do think it is meant to be foreshadowing, but honestly, I didn't think about that till this moment. So I don't know how well it works as foreshadowing. Oh, I. I think that's fine. It's just funny reading three books and like it, he he look he, we don't do it in Cytonic, but it's just, it's just funny that we did it two books in a row to me. But it did work. That that the Mbot stuff worked for me and was really sad. And yeah, yeah. Something I noticed to do with like the nowhere portal, the superiority can just make it appear, like. The way it is described is that Spencer is watching it and they just make it appear in the room and push the bell through. That's crazy that they just seem to have some control over it. Also, it just seems very different to the other nowhere portals that we yeah, yeah. run into. Don't think yeah, about the series yeah. continuity that hard. <laughs> the That's really the problem here. Quick hop in mind editors that's our job yeah 
Yeah, well. Well, and it, all the others require a cytonic to trigger, and this one apparently doesn't. Like, they might have a cytonic there, though, whose only job is to trigger it. Mm-hmm. Yeah, that's possible. But yeah, it's like the, the visual description, very different. Because this is very much like a singularity type mm. thing. Yeah. It's like, yeah, yeah, yeah. It describes people like stretching as they go into it. Whereas the others are just portals. Yeah. Yeah. I think you're sensing a theme uh, in these fan reads of just like, there's this, this series there's is up. Issues. There's, there's a few issues. It's still very fun. <laughs> Yeah, I, I, I do genuinely enjoy this book. It does take I'm a bit like, to get into, though, Ian. Like, you, you, you are right. It, it, it does. I'm surprised it happened to me earlier than you. That's, that's interesting. But I think I'm just a sucker for evil ultimate monsters. I'm like, I'm into that. I'm, I'm super I, into that. Wow, never would have guessed. Monsters. Like, so it's like that, like, first Delver scene is just like, a, like, huh, that's weird. And then, like, Let's continue. Like, what's the point of this book, please? It's like, uh, th- even that, that point, it's not like, for sure. Yeah. Because at that point, it's not like, oh, like these, this is the point of the book. As we learn later, the telegraphing just isn't there for me at the, in the beginning of this book. It was very clear to me, like, when Kuna was talking about the Delvers to Spensa in part two, that's like, oh, yeah, no, the Delvers are the real threat. That's what we're dealing with. Yeah, yeah. yeah for sure. Oh, oh, but oh, totally. yeah. but um, he's definitely uh, in part one. It's like, what are, what are we doing? For sure. So yeah, you're, you're totally right there. Yeah. We're doing stuff, I guess. I think we should talk about what was one of the bigger controversies when this book first came out. The whole like kind of split between the fandom of like what people were expecting oh, with this yeah. book and like the the difference between like people who were really into following Spencer and Embot and people who were just disappointed by the lack of other detritus stuff. Because I think that was like one of the biggest things that kind of came out after the book from fandom spaces was this like pretty strong split in the community of how people felt and like what people thought was going to happen in this book. And I think, uh, I know at least for me, like the camp that I fell into really colored my experience of the whole book because I was expecting one thing and I got the other. Yeah, I mean, the first book is very much a chorus book of you've got group ensemble is the term I'm looking for. It's an ensemble book. And then in this book, if it weren't for like Spence's need to create a family wherever she goes, she would be alone. <laughs> well, that's another issue. Like, <laughs> this is an endlessly fascinating discussion for me as someone like on the complete opposite end of the spectrum. This this whole series like is Spensa and Emba and weird cytonic stuff. So it's like, yeah, like I oh I loved Skyward Flight, but it's like they were never like core to what I enjoyed about wow. Skyward. Mm. Like I enjoyed like Spensa and Emba and like the cytonic. Like that was like in my mind the point of Skyward. So coming out of Starsight and like going into that reactions episode, I was like so caught off guard by people like <laughs> not being happy like like yeah like this totally follows on from skyward like what are you all talking about like but like it does make sense like world wise mm-hmm. for sure but like 
tone wise it's yeah weird like it's not just the fact that the skyward flight characters are there and apart gone we see them for a chapter when spencer gets back and then it's like bye i'm leaving again okay it just feels very different i do think you can't just do the same thing in a book series like you can't just do bigger and better right Mm -hmm. and like that's not going to work you have to do different things and have the stories be different but this does feel very different this is not what i would have thought the sequel to skyward would be right like i think that's the core thing and there there is a lot to like because i did want to know about the eyes and i did want to know about the intergalactic Mm -hmm. stuff like all, all of that stuff is stuff that i was very interested in for sure, and like exploring more of Mbot and things, but it's not what I thought this would be, yeah. or like what Which, it, it was signposted to be. I wasn't yeah. expecting it to be separated from the other stuff that we had in Skywood. Mm. Like I, I was also like looking forward to intergalactic stuff, other Krell stuff, Delver stuff. I wasn't expecting it to just kind of be taken out and put somewhere else and yeah separated from the the setting that we previously had especially where they uh are introducing platform prime and you're like okay cool we've got platform (laughs) prime and then it just doesn't matter at all and i think this is less an issue with starsight than it is an issue in skyward where like Mm. like this this is the vision Brandon had for the series. He did not adequately prepare readers in Skyward that That's true. This is what like yeah. the series is going yeah. to be. Yeah, yeah, like Skyward is it's so clear. Skyward was written to do what Skyward did, and then Brandon designed the rest of the series. And mm-hmm. then it's like, oh, okay. I can't remember if Brandon like actually talked about this or if we've just talked about it so much that i'm thinking that brandon's also kind of talked about his writing process with skyward and how he didn't intend people to like think of it as an ensemble cast and to like fall in love with the other characters so much because you're right and he was planning for it to go in this direction and he was surprised by Mm -hmm. how much people weren't always like following the same thought patterns that he was Mm -hmm. in what he was planning to do and yeah you're totally right that skyward was the book that set up everything and unintendedly it set up two different paths and people kind of chose a camp (laughs) yeah Yeah. and i do think there is a promise in skyward that like there's weirdness with the tritus and we need to explore it right so it is a bit weird in the sequel that it's just like yeah not barely not talking about it at all and like thankfully with like the skyward flight things we we do get that so like we we do get that eventually for sure but like and like we do get that in this book yeah with the slugs with yeah yeah with um with the the interludes being jorgen um grand grand like training him to listen to the stars is like there's nothing up there for him like he needs to listen below Mm-hmm. I was so vindicated that he was a freaking cytonic. I knew it. I did not pick up on that. And so on my first read, I'm like, wait, what? But uh, on, on the reread, it works for sure. But 
more, more like the detritus cultural stuff like that's just not here at oh, all yeah, like right. that, that sort of stuff uh that mm-hmm. that's very missing and like maybe there could have been a smoother way to do it but i mean that's yeah. one other like thing that kind of exacerbates like the separation of the two camps is that originally skyward flight was supposed to go with spencer two stars like yeah like in the original outline like it like yeah spencer was supposed to be by herself like in book in, in sight tonic but then like in writing star Sight, like it didn't make sense for them to come and like i agree it wouldn't make sense for everyone to come with yeah. her you it's know. already implausible enough that that worked out as well as it did yeah. <laughs> whereas like if they had come along with her like it would have been more of a more of a stepping stone to cytonic mm-hmm. it's it's interesting but yeah there, there really were those two camps I, I do think that as a whole skyward flight helps a lot for that uh which i think we're gonna do Definitely. skyward flight after this and cytonic will be our last span reads um cool for that sure. so if you missed our our crew in star sight well we're, we'll get them in skyward flight right there hell yeah which is a thick book if you get that collection oh, of the three tonky. novellas it's good not to um jump too much into the Skyward Flight stuff, but I am glad in Sunreach that we start with the ending of Starsight and the battle that is at the Tritus, mm-hmm. because I know that one of the things that frustrated me is they're having this giant battle at the Tritus, and I, I just kept expecting there to be some sort of crossover between Spencer and um like the flight she had at um, yeah. Starsight and the, the Tritus crew. And it just never really happened in the space battle. And that was something that just seemed so obvious to me that it was going to happen and it didn't. So I, I know I was frustrated by that. So I was really glad that Jancy started at that point because I think we really needed to see that battle from um, Skyward Flight's perspective, particularly with the whole turning off all their instruments yeah, because yeah. that would have been terrifying and to actually like get that perspective helped a lot, I think, yeah. um, after not getting it in um, Starsight star uh, to any degree. That was definitely what I thought in my initial read of Starsight. I think now that I know what the series is and what this book is, I enjoyed it more now because I didn't have mm-hmm. that disappointment as well, where I thought yeah. the crews would come together. And <sighs> it's expectations. Like yeah. now that we know what's in it, we know what to expect. Yeah, but yeah, yeah. What we thought was going to be there, and I think that's why, like, some of us were disappointed. You, you could easily yeah. imagine in Brandon's Cosmere things where it's like, oh, we're switching between all the point of views, and we're going between the point of views mm-hmm. in that battle at Detritus, and it's just like, no, turn off the radios. You're we're not going to hear from them. And mm-hmm. granted, we didn't see skyward flight that much so like maybe that makes sense for this book in that sense so like i I get it and without the radios that makes it hard to talk to the other ships and doing that but i still like my imagination of what that battle could be if they all came together is pretty sweet it's pretty cool yeah but also like a scene of of kimmelin in her ship like everything silent seeing a delver over there and just like what's happening yeah and just like not being able to 
call out talk to someone for reassurance just like, like, like yeah a two-page little scene like even shorter maybe of just like people yeah. reacting i think that might be the problem it it's in first person so brandon like didn't mm. want to do that whereas i think if this mm. was third person brandon absolutely would have done that right and like hop yeah. around maybe a bit more because like we do get some perspective hops like towards the end with moriamur and kuna yeah mm. that's true that's but true. like uh, yeah yeah it is what it is. It is what it is. <laughs> but but you are you are right, Jess. It's starting in Sunreach, seeing the battle from that perspective, very important. Good call. Like it started so strong for me. Uh, like I was excited for them to begin with, but to start there, I'm like, oh, thank God. Yeah, <laughs> this is great. I'm looking forward to rereading those over Cytonic <laughs> for sure. <Yeah. laughs> see, see, it's like <laughs> this book is the only one. Like I think I'll struggle with starting to reread because like i'm excited for Titanic because i do genuinely like Titanic. Yeah, i know you do and i like skyward flight yeah speaking of the final battle because i listened to the audiobook uh it was a very different experience to me because i'm used to physical reading and i really liked the way that the narration was done because it really did kind of ramp up the tension and every moment of something big happening of the weights and weights, weights and measures like jumping in to outside detritus like that was like a big oh no moment and like braid bringing the delver through was very much like a oh crap moment and just every single bit was read so well to make that ending really really interesting and I really liked the way it was done. I do have some issues with other parts of the audiobook, but I did just want to bring it up as a, if anyone is an audiobook listener, this is one I would probably recommend. I just sure. think some of, some of the accents for the non-binary characters are probably not the best choice is <laughs> oh, yeah. my biggest issue um, mm. with the narration. Good to know. Uh, do you know who the narrator is? Susie Jackson. Uh, like, it is hard when, like, you already have a feminine or masculine sounding voice to do a, yeah, like a neutral sounding voice. But, like, Kuna is very high pitched. <laughs> and I really did uh. not like that. And I know Mario Yuma at least one point was very similar. And I don't think that was the best decision. But. Like the actual narration by her was done quite well. Um, Heshu was really fun to listen to. And yeah. Yeah. I liked what you said about the insects. Like I can, I can, I can basically hear it in my mind how an audiobook narrator would make like the part where Spencer's like thinking about that everyone's insects, like that feel distinct and really interesting. So mm. that's, that's good. I'm glad the audiobook on the whole helped the book yeah. But, yeah so any final thoughts from anybody i don't think so nope we, we talked about the important thing of the split in i think these episodes yeah. are longer than i anticipated but i think we have overall thoughts to discuss on these books so it's mm -hmm. also yeah. not terribly surprising to me when we do like three hour shard casts on this basically that we could talk for a bit yeah cool. awesome well, thank you for watching. You can find us at 17thshard.com for all the news, discussion, theories, and fun that you could ever want. You can find us on Facebook, Twitter, SoundCloud, 
You can leave us a review on iTunes. You can subscribe on YouTube and you can also support us on Patreon. See you next time. Bye. 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 Bye.